now from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, beginning in verse 28. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, he asked him, Which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, The first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and besides him there is no other. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding, with all the strength. And to love one's neighbor as oneself. This is much more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared to ask him any question. This is the word of God for the people of God. The very first thing I noticed as I was reading this text over and over, preparing for our time together, comes in that very first verse, verse 28. Mark describes them disputing with one another without alarm. He doesn't seem to be upset. They do not seem to be upset. He writes about it as if it's a part of their general religious life that they would be disputing with one another, that they might be arguing or debating or disagreeing on certain topics like something as important even as the greatest commandment. But they seem to be doing all of that without attacking one another. They seem to leave the negative caricature and the personal attack aside. This is how Mark writes it in that 28th verse. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another and seeing that he answered them well, he asked. He jumps into the discussion, in other words. He jumps into the dispute about the greatest commandment. Scribe, as a part of the Jewish community, represents a long and honorable history of Jews and particularly Jewish rabbis or scribes in arguing with one another about the most important things that sacred Scripture has to say to us. Disputing with one another as a way to help us grasp deeper meaning, to help us understand God's revelation better, to discern together what God is saying to us or to a community through the Scriptures and through our discussion of them. But they do it all with respect for each other. Oh, they dispute vigorously, but they respect each other throughout it all. I think we might have something to learn in our day and time from these who know how to do that. As we explore the text today, I think we can find why they can engage in such vigorous disputing with one another without adding the personal attack without moving on to dehumanizing and degrading statements about another person and their character or the group of people they are a part of. I hear it in church discussions. I hear it 
in media discussions, I hear it throughout our culture that these days when people begin to dispute with each other, it seems like so often it quickly degenerates into personal attack. So let's listen and see if we can learn something from what Mark has recorded here in the Gospel. After this scribe jumps into the discussion, he asks this question, which commandment is the first of all? Which commandment is the first of all? That is, what is at the top of the list? What is non-negotiable? What is your top priority? What would your answer be? I was talking to a fellow just the other day. He was a college football player, a former college football player. And he was telling me about one of the coaches he had. He said this particular coach really enjoyed giving these pep talks to them. He kind of had a little preacher in him. He wanted to preach to them. And he would tell them about his values and how they should adopt those same values. The football player said he was very clear about what he believed. He would tell them, I've got three main values. Number one is football. Second is my family. And since I'm a Christian, God is third. Does that sound a little strange to you as a Christian? Those are out of order if you didn't notice. None of us should be proud to say, I'm a Christian and I put God third. Wrong order. Something to be said for his clarity and his conviction, but he's mixed up in terms of his faith. What is at the top of your list? What is your first priority? How would you answer? Jesus answers in verse 29 and 30. He says, The first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. If you're wondering what is to be first, Jesus gives a very clear answer. The answer is God. Love of God. If somebody were to follow you around for a few hours or a day or two, would that be clear by where you spend your time, where you expend your talent and your resources, how you speak and behave as you interact with other people? Would anyone know what your top priority is by looking at your life? Jesus is very clear. That God is to be number one. Now, Jesus didn't come up with this as an original idea. He's quoting Moses, who's quoting God. You can read these stories back in the book of Deuteronomy. There's a Deuteronomy 5 shares this, Deuteronomy 6. There's another version in Exodus 20. All of them introducing part of the introduction to the Ten Commandments as they share those commandments with their community. But there's only one place where it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. Usually it says, The Lord your God. But in Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, it's where Jesus is quoting from. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord alone. 
That is, there's to be no other thing or person or activity above God or before God. Here is how it starts. It's an admonition to listen, to lean in, to pay attention. Shema or Shema in the Hebrew is hear. Hear, O Israel. Or listen up, people of God. Now this first verse that I read you, chapter 6, verse 4, where Jesus is quoting from is part of a larger set of verses, a larger teaching. I want to read them to you, not only because I want you to see the context, but also it's making the same point that Jesus is making in our text today. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your might. Keep these words that I'm commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children, and talk about them when you are at home, and when you are away, when you lie down, and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand, fix them as an emblem on your forehead, and write them on the doorpost of your house, and on your gates. Lots of specific ways to remind ourselves what the priorities are supposed to be if we profess that we're one of God's people, that we're a person of faith, that we're a part of the people of God. And apparently we need lots of reminders because it's so easy to get distracted and to find other things in our lives demanding or at least offering to draw our attention and our time and our resources away from being focused on the greatest of all commandments. Last month when we were talking about stewardship and giving and I was trying to help you connect your financial resources with the mission and ministry that God wants to do through our church, I talked about this same idea. There's a consistency in Scripture about putting God first. It applies to giving as well. The Bible tells us one way to keep God first or to put God first is to give to God first. You see, this is supposed to be a priority or a commandment across all the sectors of our lives. Now, I know lots of people don't give any money back to God, don't give any money back to churches to try to help the work of God. Some attend churches and still don't give anything. Others attend and kind of think somebody else is going to take care of it. After they do a lot of other things and organize all of their budget, if there's something left over, they might give a little something back to God through the church. But Jesus is very clear. The Scriptures are very clear. The biblical witness is very consistent that if we want to experience all that God intends for us, we have to have our priorities and our values straight. And number one is to put God first. Hear, O Israel, or hear, O people of God, listen to the commandments. They tell us where to start. 
But Jesus goes on from there. After He's quoted from Deuteronomy, He adds this. He says, the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Again, not originally. He's quoting from the Hebrew Scripture once again, this time from the book of Leviticus. Chapter 19, verse 18, He lifts this verse up and raises it up before those who are listening as a very important passage. Leviticus is filled with do's and don'ts for the community of faith, for the people of God. I don't know very many people who spend very much time reading Leviticus. Although after the 830 service, one woman came and said, I've just read through all of that. I've been studying that. It's called the Holiness Code. The Holiness Codes by Bible scholars from chapter 17 to 26 in Leviticus. Lots of rules. But right in the middle of all that, there is this passage that says, love your neighbor as yourself. That's the one Jesus pulls out and raises up for us to think about as the most important or the greatest priority or commandment along with love of God. Jesus combines these two, love of God and love of neighbor. And then he concludes, there is no other commandment greater than these. Nothing else more important than these. Does your life reflect that? Do you find ways to remind yourself throughout the day, throughout your week, throughout your year? None other but God. God alone It's my top priority and love of God and love of neighbor is what I'm all about. And all other things flow from that. Let's loop back around and remember the question I raised earlier about why. Why can they dispute so vigorously and yet not engage in personal attack? I think it is this. They see each other as a part of God's family. Or God's people. They see each other as a part of their family. As their neighbor, if you will. And they are clear that they're to love their neighbor or will the good for their neighbor. They're supposed to be working to serve and help others. Not tear them down or attack them. Most of you don't know, but I serve on the Tulsa World Editorial Board. They ask citizens from across Tulsa to do a two-year stint, meet with them, give them feedback on how the paper's doing, how have they done on covering the issues, have they been fair, have they been complete, are there some issues we wish they would write more about or less about, those kind of things we meet with them to discuss. And then they give us opportunity a couple of times a year to write an editorial column that they publish on Sundays. I've just written one of those for them. It'll be published, I think, a week from today. It is about violence. About violence in our culture. I don't write it specifically as a Christian. It's not a Christian column. I don't write it as a partisan of one political party or another. I wrote it as a citizen of the United States of America. As I see what's going on in our culture, I think back to my own rearing here in Oklahoma and think, was there ever a place that violence was condoned? Was there ever a place that I went 
whether it was Sunday school or public school or at my home or in the scouts, where anyone suggested that attacking someone else or using physical force because you disagreed with somebody was an acceptable behavior, I could not think of a time. Those were not the values I was taught growing up in this country and in this society. But it seems like we have lost some of the values I was taught, like fairness and honesty and kindness and respect and service and helping others. I share all of this not only because I've written the editorial, but because it relates to what Jesus is saying today. He's raising the specter before those who are listening as they're disputing and asking questions of asking those people, even as He is asked, what is the first commandment? Where is the place to start? What's at the top of the list? And I think all those values I learned growing up in America are rooted in these American values of kindness and honesty and fairness and serving and respecting other people. I had opportunity on Friday night to be in the worship service at Temple Israel. They're installing a new senior rabbi, Rabbi Michael Weinstein. But a good part of the service, even though it was called and designed to officially welcome him into the Tulsa community, they spent a good deal of the time lamenting and grieving that worshipers out of their tradition were shot and killed when they were in their place of worship. People who had gathered at their place of worship and you could see the grief in their hearts and on their faces and even the mention that for many coming to Temple Israel on Friday night might have been a scary thing because if it can happen in Pittsburgh, it can happen in Tulsa. And I began to think that the way rhetoric has moved in our culture where so often we lump all people into one category and attack them or label them or degrade them or question whether or not they're citizens or if they ought to have the same civil rights as everyone else called American. I think sometimes that cultivates the soil that allows for the violence and the discrimination to erupt. And it seems to me contrary to our American values and certainly contrary to what we learn in the Bible and from our faith. Well, I share all this because I think it's deeply rooted in what Jesus is saying about the commandments today when He says, and the second is like it, Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says these two are at the top of the list. Love God and love your neighbor. There's no greater commandment. There's no greater priority. There's no greater value you can give yourself to than love of God and love of neighbor. 
Let's be sure we start where Jesus directs us to start. 